Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. The Bible says, and you'll be sitting down just a moment, but you need to know this. Because there's one thing to get healed. It's another thing to keep it. Then my question tonight to you, for those of you who are desiring healing in your body, why do you want it? Why do you want healing? Why do you want to feel better? Why do you want to be healed? What's the reason for your healing? Do you want to be healed so you can serve him better? Come on, talk to me now. Why do you want to be healed? Because everybody want to be healed. But everybody don't have the right reason. Somebody, some people want the healing, but they don't want the healer. And if you don't want the healer, you can't keep your healing. So why do you want to be healed? When Jesus, say Jesus. Yeah, say it again. Yeah, something about that name. Say it one more time. Mm-hmm. Jesus, when he was walking the earth and engaged in his earthly ministry, he did three things. And I know we do a whole lot of things. We call it church. But Jesus did three things. Let me talk to this side. I know we have a whole lot of things we've been, you know, we've engrafted in and we call it church. But Jesus did And he did it without a choir. And he did it without a praise team. Everybody was the praise team. Ooh, Jesus. And they heard him without a microphone. That means they were listening. But the Bible says that Jesus went about preaching, teaching, and healing. Now, I don't know what you're doing in ministry, but Jesus, when he was engaged in his earthly ministry, he did three things. He went about preaching, proclaiming, teaching, explaining, and confirming the word with miracle signs and wonders. Ooh, Jesus. So tonight... I'm going to lay a foundation with the word of God. And I believe God is going to confirm his word with signs following. This is Friday night, so we've made a lot of room for the Holy Ghost to have his way. Come on now, look at your clock. You see the night is still real young. Yeah, you know I used to talk years ago. Yeah, you you didn't even have your clothes laid on the bed yet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But if we'll be patient, mm-hmm, and if we won't be in a hurry, I believe God will do something real quick. I believe we will listen intently and not be in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And don't play games with me tonight with your, with your iPhone. 
Don't be looking at it like you're listening to me and you're doing something else. Focus tonight. Don't, don't, don't miss your healing over somebody who is somewhere else trying to get contact with you. So Jesus went about preaching, proclaiming, teaching, explaining, and miracle signs and wonders. How God the Father anointed Jesus. So he, he did it not in and of himself. He did it because he was anointed. Ooh, God. I'm excited because that same anointing. I don't know what you got, but that same anointing, it, it rests on me right now. Please, please have a seat for a moment. I, I have to say this. Um, the Lord told me to say it. I got away from it. And then I got called on the carpet. I got rebuked by Marcus Lamb of Daystar Network. Yeah, uh, graciously, he rebuked me. Because he said, you have to tell it. You, you have to proclaim it. Now, it's been a while. My wife will connect eventually. But uh, we were out of the country. And uh, we were walking along just looking at the beautiful place where we were. We, we hadn't been married that long. I don't think we were married. I don't believe it was three years. I, I don't think it was even three maybe it was three I don't know it wasn't long but we were just walking along and uh, still learning how to adjust to one another you know how that is you know when you first get married the first few years you know sometimes in your adjustment you stop speaking to each other because you're working on adjustments and we were working on adjustments because I walk fast I'm a military man and my wife walks slow because she's a slow walker Unless it's real cold outside. But at any rate, for some reason or another, and I hope you all can grasp this, because sometimes when you feel like you're the least qualified to hear from God, he'll speak. Be because I have got become a little frustrated. You know, I'm trying to adjust to her. She's trying to adjust to me. And I'm frustrated because... I'm walking and she's, she's a few paces, maybe 10 yards behind me. And, and right in the middle of the frustration, God speaks. And I was so broken because I knew I didn't deserve at that moment for him to speak to me. But he did. Perhaps that's why I still cherish that particular providential moment to this day and he said to me some of you remember this I've said it before he said to me when you tell the people what I'm going to tell you when you tell them what I'm going to tell you to tell them if they believe it they'll get healed he said everything I brought you through most times when you were growing up as a little boy, I mean month after month and year after year, and you would look up toward heaven and talk to me. He said, I heard you, but I was fashioning you. I was making you. 
I was shaping you to be a container that I could flow through to work miracles, signs, and wonders, and you not get off into an area of integrity and prostitute the anointing. When you tell them that I've laid my hands on you and there's a special anointing that flows through your life, if they'll believe it when you lay your hands on them, I will supernaturally confirm it. And I've gone all around this world and I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. I remember, thank God for doctors, they had done all they knew how to do. I mean, we went through it for months and months, year after year, and finally the medical doctor said, there's nothing else we could do. And my wife was literally wasting away in, my, in front of my eyes. And some of you saw it. Clothes on and half of her in it. That's why I have a problem with it, you know, being full today. Because I knew what the clothes looked like half empty. And right there in our kitchen, having to do some personal things to minister to my wife, I grabbed my wife and picked her up over my head and told God that word that you spoke to me several years ago in that particular country about the healing power of God, what good is it for me if it doesn't work for my own wife? And I just don't believe that what you called me to do, that I could do it in a, in a better way without her. So if I need her, God, you need her. And so in the name of Jesus, I command her body to be healed from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. I remember the day that my doctor, my wife went back to this particular doctor who said, I've done all I know how to do. There's nothing else that I can do. If you find something that will heal your situation, let me know. So when she came back a year or so later, and he saw how beautiful she was, and how she had filled out her clothes, he said, I don't know what you've been doing. But whatever you've been doing, it's clear that it works. I'm here to tell you tonight that we didn't work, amen, some voodoo or some Hindu. We didn't go a witch doctor. We went to the head physician. And when the doctors had done all that they knew how to do, Jesus stepped in and healed my wife from the top of her head. Something's going to happen tonight. My, my mouth always gets dry when the Holy Ghost is going to do something powerful. You might need to go get me a gallon of water. So Jesus went about doing what? Preaching? Teaching? Most churches don't have a problem with the preaching. Most churches don't have a problem with the teaching. But they've relegated the healing power of God 
away with the apostles. And if Jesus didn't heal today, there's a whole lot of us in this room wouldn't be here right now. And there are a bunch of folk in here right now who will testify that Jesus is a healer so that you will know that no matter what element, no matter what you're facing, nothing's too hard for God. Can somebody say amen? Go to Psalms 107. To receive your healing tonight and to keep your healing, you must be fully convinced, say fully convinced, that it is God's will for you to be healed. Are you listening to me? We're going to take the word of God and drive out all erroneous thinking. It is the will of God for you to be healed. It is the will of God for you to be healed. God has not put sickness on you to try to show you something. It is the will of God. That's preachers saying stuff they hadn't studied. Or flat out don't know God. Know about God, but don't know God. God is a healer. It is the will of God for you to be healed. Come on, how many of you believe that tonight? Yeah, even people who say they don't believe it will try to get healed through medicine. I mean, if you believe what you have, God put it on you, then why try to take medicine to get it off? It is, I know it sounds really mundane and simple, but but you'll be amazed at the people who are not convinced. They may say something out of their mouths, but they're not convinced in their hearts that it is the will of God for them to be healed. You've got to know tonight. I don't care what you're dealing with, what you're facing. It is the will of God for that thing to leave your body. You do not have to die sick. You die because you're finished. Are you listening to me? As a matter of fact, if we didn't believe this principle in this church, there's a whole lot of members who would have long been gone. But we believe the word of God that we'll live and not die. That we'll fulfill the number of our days. You have to be convinced that it is the will of God for you to be healed. God gets no glory out of you being sick. No more than he gets any glory out of you being broke. That brings no glory to God that you can't pay your bills. That brings no glory to God that you can't walk, that you can't see, that you can't hear. That's why he heals it. It brings glory to God that you abide in divine health. That you're healed from the top of your head, soles of your feet. Are you in Psalms? What did I say? Psalms 107? Look at uh, verse number, number 19. Psalms 107 verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord, in their trouble. And what did he do? He saved them out of all of their distress. He sent his word. What did he do? 
He sent his word and healed them. For the word of God is medicine. Come on, touch three people and tell them, say, the word of God is medicine. Yeah, yeah, the word of God is medicine. Glory to God. Now, if you're challenged tonight with any kind of sickness or disease, then you're foolish to be in a hurry. I'll say it again. If you're here tonight and you need a miracle from God, you're operating in foolishness to be in a hurry. Because however long you got to wait tonight to get your healing, wait on it. Glory to God. It's better to leave here healed than to leave here sick. And if you don't have enough patience, if you don't have enough patience to sit there and hear the word, you won't be able to keep your healing if you get it. Because it takes the word to get healed. And it takes the word to stay healed. Because the word is medicine to all your flesh. Good God of mercy. And you need to take it at least three times a day. Now, isn't it amazing? Preach, Dr. Howe. Preach, Dr. Howe. I think I will. Isn't it amazing that Dr. Stanley can prescribe you a prescription? Or a doctor that you don't even know? can prescribe you a prescription and you don't even know if the prescription is going to work. As a matter of fact, there's been cases where the doctors have prescribed a prescription and the prescription made the person more sick than they were before they took it. Because the wrong prognosis will always give you the wrong diagnosis. That's why when you go see a doctor, they don't know what's wrong. They ask you how you feel. But what I love about Jesus, he doesn't ask you how you feel. He know how you feel. That's why he sent healing. Jesus. Now let's look, let's look at this, this, last, this last verse again. And he sent his what? And he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Oh, this, this is powerful. It, it, it is God's will for you to be healed. Now, there's one major thing. How many? There's one major thing that will stop the healing power of God. And as a matter of fact, there's one major thing that will stop the power of God, period. In whatever form. It's amazing to me that Jesus worked all kind of miracles. Look at this. Real quick. I didn't want to go here. But go to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Because out of all of the people who did get healed, everybody didn't get healed. Everybody who was sick didn't get healed. Look look at Mark 6. Look at verse number 4. Now, he's, he's worked all kind of miracles. He's worked all kinds of signs and wonders. But, but look, look at this in verse, verse, number, uh, verse number four. But Jesus said to them, that's why it's always dangerous 
for you to allow your man of God to become familiar with you. It's a dangerous thing when you allow in your heart for your pastor to become familiar. Because when they become familiar, you don't, you don't cherish them like you should. And you don't honor them like you should. And you don't have a godly reverence for their anointing like you should. So for you to sometimes know that they're still anointed and that they're still, amen, have the hand of God on them, they have to go somewhere where people don't know them. They have to go to somebody else's house for that oil to flow. Ooh, Jesus, that's just pastor. I got some things I need to do. I can't make it this Sunday. I'll catch him next Sunday. Familiar. It'll stop the oil from flowing in your life. I said it'll stop the oil from flowing. Look at verse, verse number four. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own, and his own, look at verse 5. Now he could do no mighty works there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their, one translation said, he could do no mighty works there except he, you know, just a, he just dealt with a few minor ailments. I guess somebody had a runny nose or something. But there were no blinded eyes. There was no dead rays. There was no deaf ears opening because of their unbelief. What you have to see, that Jesus had the power to heal. Wherever Jesus was, the power to heal was present. But notice his anointing wouldn't flow because of their unbelief. Thousands of people trying to get healed and want to get healed. And one lady said, I didn't come to hear him. I've already heard him. That's why I'm here. And if I can just touch the him why the him because that's where the anointing flows she didn't say his sandals she said I can touch because that's where the anointing flows the anointing flows down and the girl said if I can touch the you got to check the girl's attitude out to be able to touch the hem of his garment that means she was willing to get down that means she was willing to humble herself in her St. John's dress. Because healing was more important to her than her clothes. Jesus. You can't be cute on the ground. It sounds like to me the girl was desperate. And when you get desperate, you don't care who's looking. Matter of fact, you don't care who don't believe if you believe. Glory to God. Now, our children at our school, Harvest Christian Schools, and Christian schools are more important today than they've ever been. 
Christian schools are more important, a real Christian school. Because some of them just tag the name, uh, you know, because it can be beneficial. But a real Christian school is so necessary today. Because everything that is bombarding our children is so ungodly. Our kids are hearing about things, being exposed to things, and knowing things they don't have any business knowing at eight years old. They they shouldn't even know how to say those kind of words in the kindergarten. It's sad to say they're not learning these things just at school. Some of them are learning it at home. Ain't nobody saying nothing. I know because you're here to be healed now. But in Exodus 23, our children at Harvest Christian schools, they don't eat without praying. I hope you follow through on that when they're at home. Exodus 23. Look, look at this. Exodus 23, verse 25. All of our kids can quote it. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread. He'll bless it if you serve him. Your bread is not blessed because you say, bless my bread. Your bread is blessed because you serve him. Your bread is not blessed because you say it's blessed. When you sit at the table and you make a prayer, bless the bread, your bread is not blessed because you sell God to bless it. Your bread is blessed because you serve him. And there's a lot of folk praying, but they're not serving him. There are a lot of folks saying they love God, but they're not serving him. But there's a blessing, say blessing. There's a blessing when you serve God. When you serve God, God said, I'll bless your bread and I'll bless your water. And I'll cause, not you, I will cause sickness and disease to go another direction. And don't sit here with that tone of voice. You don't believe that. Because if you did, you would practice it. I'm standing here today, 68, soon to be 69 years old, and don't have to really take any kind of medicine because I believe the word of God is healing to all my flesh. So I take the medicine every day. I start my day with medicine from the Bible. In the middle of the day, I take my medicine. Before I go to bed, I take my medicine. And it's been healing. As a matter of fact, when I look in the mirror, I don't know what you see, but when I look in the mirror, it appears to me like the aging process has been slowed down. I mean, creepy crawler. Hey, you can do hey, but I'm telling you, you can be 68 and look like you're 58. You can be 68 and look like you're 48. And just because you get old, you don't have to get stiff. Fight it. That's why you're here tonight. You're here to kick out stiffness. You're here to kick out disease. We're going to lay hands on you tonight. And the healing power of God is going to work a healing and a cure in your life. I don't care where you are around the world listening to this. 
your iPhone, your iPad, your television screen is going to be our point of contact. Glory to God. Now let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke. Luke. I said Luke, didn't I? Go to Luke chapter 6. I love the gospel of Luke because perhaps he is the only Gentile writer in all of the Bible. And I love his writings because really, well, I don't want to get into a theological depth with you, but, but really the gospel of Luke is really the gospel of Mary. Luke is really telling the perspective of God through the experience in the eyes of Mary, his mama. Because Luke wasn't there. So it's clear he took good notes from Jesus' mama. Good God of mercy. And I love Luke because he was a medical doctor. And for him to believe that Jesus was a healer, like Dr. Stanley Rogers, hallelujah to God. That's why I like that girl. See, some of you only have doctors who believe in the university. But I got a doctor who believes in the university and heaven. Glory to God. And if she's not your doctor, uh, she gets my vote. Glory to God. Her and Jesus have never lost a patient. Uh, Are you in Luke chapter 6? Look at verse 18. Luke 6 verse 18. As well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And they were what? And they were healed. And that doesn't necessarily mean, and it's not in, insinuating either, that just because a person is sick, that they have a demon. But whether it's a demon or just sickness, it all needs to go. Somebody say amen. And the, look at this. And the whole multitude. Come on, talk to me, church. They sought to touch him. Why? Because power went out of him and healed them all. Now, Jesus is not here in the physical, but you can touch him with your faith. I've got to read this one more time. Look at this. As well as those who were tormented. He didn't just heal people of their sickness and disease. He healed people who were tormented by demons. So it so so it's clear to come to the conclusion, doctor, that sickness because of a demon can have the same manifestation of just a regular sickness and disease. And it takes the discerning of the spirit of God to be able to know the difference. Because sometimes you're dealing with a patient and it's natural. And sometimes you're dealing with a patient and it's supernatural. The only reason they're outwardly or physically manifesting a disease or sickness is because there's a demonic force involved. And there's no amount of prescription pills that you can give a person that'll drive out a devil. 
Ooh, Jesus. That's why the word of God constantly encourages us to live right. Because when you live wrong, you don't know what you're opening yourself up to. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you join yourself to a harlot, you become one with them. I, I could have said her, but I said with them because a man can be a whole too. I mean, we're always beating up on women in the pulpit because predominantly it's dominated by males. <laughs> you got quiet tonight, didn't you? So that means when you join yourself to somebody that you're not in covenant with, you may be getting something, amen, transferred to you that soap can't wash off. And you go to acting strange, don't know your name, don't know how to get home, can't get somebody out of your mind, can't leave somebody alone because you've engaged in something that opened you up to witchcraft. How are you going to be a Christian and can't leave somebody alone uh, uh, engaging in something ungodly? Did you hear what I said? How is it that you as a believer can't leave something alone if it's wrong? Unless you've gotten a hold of something where you need deliverance. You don't get a lot of teaching like this in church. There's still a lot of deliverance that needs to go on in church. You don't hear about it anymore. I've already made reference to that last Sunday. And as a result, because you don't hear it anymore, you got all kind of things sitting up in church. You got people who have no intentions of living right, but want to be healed. Have no intentions of serving God, but they want to be healed. If you're chasing women with one leg, what are you going to do with two? <laughs> one brother said, stop hopping. <laughs> the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, that we have been redeemed. Do we have any saved people watching us around the world? If you're saved, make some noise to the glory of God. The Bible says, if you're truly saved, if you have been redeemed, the Bible says you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Boy, let, let me slow down and teach. Some of you are acting sick because that's all you had in front of you were actors who were sick. You're acting just like your mama when she started aging. You're acting just like your daddy when he started aging. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just, you're just mimicking what you've seen. Doc, they've proven. Uh, uh, I mean, they, they did it. Uh, what do you call it? A, uh, uh, not a survey. But they did a, uh, 
a study that if children are raised in a home where the mother, the father kind of limp when they walk, the children will limp when they walk. Nothing wrong with the child. They're just mimicking the model that was set before them. They did a survey and discovered that children that were raised in a home with a mother, a father, or one of them smoking, that nine times out of ten, the child will grow up and smoke. Why? Because they're mimicking what was modeled before them. There's a great possibility the reason you cuss is because your mama and your daddy cuss. Talking about I can't control myself. You can if you're saved. And you're here tonight and you cuss like a sailor, but you want to be healed. And to get healed and to stay healed, you've got to settle the first issue. That is, why do you want to be healed? Because healing is nothing to Jesus. The question is, why do you want his healing? And what are you going to do with it? Getting quiet now. Ooh, Jesus. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Somebody shout, I'm redeemed. That means simply that you have been redeemed, delivered from spiritual death. And if you're not spiritually dead, then you're born again. And stop just shouting over the fact that you're born again. Because there's more in the blessing of the covenant than just being born again. You're not only born again, delivered from spiritual death, but the Bible says that you're delivered from sickness and disease. So now that Jesus is your Savior, sickness does not have a right to be on your body. And whatever I did to get it on me, I repent from it right now. Lord, I repent right now. Right, right, right. Not to my, I mean right now. I repent right now. And nobody knows, but you know in my heart, I'm telling you right now, I'm never going back. I repent right now. And repentance is that easy. You don't have to get in some booth and tell some man who need to repent himself. There's nowhere in the Bible where it tells you to get in the booth. There's nowhere in the Bible where it tells you to come to me and tell me all your dirty words. I don't want to hear all your dirty words because if you leave out of my office, I got to wash my mind. You say, Come on now. There's nowhere in the Bible where it tells you to tell all your dirty works to another man. You confess your sins to God. Now, if we've gotten sideways and I've got ought in my heart towards you, then we got to come together and settle this thing so that my prayers don't get hindered. 
But there's nowhere in Scripture for me to get in the booth and, and, and Minister Reedus is on the other side of the cloth and, and I go back into my life and tell him all the folk I done been with and who done done what to me and I done. Come on now. Mess around, we both be hot in the booth. No, that stuff is washed in the blood. You tell Jesus, y'all don't want to hear me tonight. I'm talking about getting healed and staying healed. Are you listening to me? And I know some of these preachers that tell you, you need to go tell your wife. You don't need to tell your wife nothing but you sorry. And don't do it again. And tell that preacher who told you to go home and tell her what you did. Tell him I said he's a liar. Tell him to go home and tell his wife what he did. Nobody want to hear all that mess. You need to put mess under the blood. Go home and mess your wife's mind all up. Mess your husband's mind all up. If you're through with it, be through with it. Now, not only that, you don't, even have to, you don't need to tell your wife because your wife already knows. You can't do nothing and your wife don't know. She know when you lay in bed, you're, you're laying crooked. <laughs> Prophet is clapping her hand because hey, men, we don't pay attention like that. Why you sleep at three in the morning? She's looking. Now the seat's been turned this way for 15 years. Now they turn this way. What's going on? God, what are you saying to me? What is this that you're calling me to pray concerning my husband? What is that I need to pray for to get my husband free? Who's trying to trap my man and mess up our lives? Glory. I'm preaching too, boy. The prayer of the righteous is powerful. And our elders in this church, they're going to be coming shortly. And they're going to join me. And we're going to pray. And God's going to move. And I don't care what your ailment is. I've been waiting on you all, all, all morning long. I've been in this room talking to God while you were doing whatever you needed to do. I got a little weak in my body. I went home for a second. Got home. My wife was there. Talked to her for a moment. Looked at the clock and said, ain't no sense in me doing nothing. So I, I tried to rest my body for about 20 minutes. 20 minutes, the alarm went off. I said, well, let me get on back. I come back, unlocked the gate, and we had a person there at the gate. Well, shortly after I pulled up to the gate, they came to the gate. I came on back in here and start talking to God. And now all I'm doing is that I'm acting out what I rehearsed early in the day. Are you all listening to me? And the Lord told me, not you, the Lord told me, take your time. And those who want it will wait to get it. And they'll be able to keep it because they're going to have the word of God to hold on to it. Ooh, gee. Is this good? I ask you to turn. Where did I ask you to turn? Where did I ask you to turn? Okay, James chapter, James chapter 5. James chapter 5. This perhaps will be the last 
chapter and verse I'll give you. Half the church don't believe it. James chapter 5. To the Harvard Church members and to our e-church members all around the world, I want you to thank God that we have a church, a ministry, a house like this that still believe in the healing power of Almighty God. A church that still believe in the laying on of hands and believing that the miracle working power of God will be released. Somebody ought to thank him. Now, now, you've read this many, many times. Pastors, particularly leaders, I want you to pay close attention because we haven't got the results with this passive scripture because we have not always applied it according to the instructions of Jesus' half-brother by the Holy Spirit. Are you in James chapter 5? You all know James is the half-brother of Jesus. Same mama, different daddy. In James chapter 5, look at verse number, familiar passage of scripture. Preachers, laymen, uh, deacons, deaconess, missionaries, you know, choir leaders, they, we, we, we've all used it. But, but look at it for the sake of looking in verse number 13. Tonight, is anyone here that's suffering? If there's, is there anybody in here that's sick? Pastors, please listen. Notice what the Spirit of God says to James, the half-brother of Jesus. He says, is there anyone amongst us who's sick? Yes? Is that what it says? Suffering, some of your translation says. Yes? Then notice what it says next, and we jump right over it. Let them pray. Most of the time when people come to a healing service, somebody else does all the praying, and they just stand there. It didn't say the people who were not sick pray in this emphasis. It says the person who is pray. Not the pastor, not the elder, not the bishop, not the overseer. Let the person who is sick, what? Pray. And how many people you know that are sick that will pray concerning their sickness? And praying is not talking. Praying is not running your mouth. Praying is not being repetitious from your religious experience. So they're sick. They're wanting to be healed, but they don't want to pray. So they come and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sick. Now, they're not bad people, just bad teaching. 
Because many of us, we grew up in ministries where the church majored on preaching. And the preaching was focused on your emotions to make you feel good. And we don't believe we had church unless we shout. Shout and sick. Shout and broke. Shout and don't even know what we shouted. Oh, Lord, we had a time. What did the preacher preach? I don't know. So you sit there year after year in a church and don't learn anything. And when you come to a church that make you sit down and be still and learn, you have to fight sleep. Because your flesh don't want you to learn anything. Because the flesh knows if you learn something, flesh will lose control of your life. Because it's your flesh that gets you in trouble. How many of you say? Come on now. You love God. But it's your flesh that gets you in trouble. And when your motive for healing is not right, when you get healed, God won't see you again. But want to be healed. Don't support kingdom work, but want to be healed. I know you're going to get quiet now. Want to be healed, but don't support kingdom work, but want to be healed. Want to be healed here tonight and don't even believe in tithing. Come on now, don't, don't back up off of me. If we didn't have members who believed in tithing, you wouldn't be able to sit in here. Can you imagine us being in this big place without the tithe? There ain't enough candles in Kansas City to light this whole place up. But you don't believe in tithing. So if you don't believe in tithing, you believe in stealing. And there's no middle ground. There's one or the other. Because you're either helping us get the kingdom vision accomplished or you're fighting the kingdom vision and us getting it accomplished. Ooh, Jesus. Come, come on now. May you be delivered from your spirit of boycotting. So that we can get the job done. Come on, say amen to that. It's the truth. Now, now, now look at verse. Uh, what verse did I stop at? 13. Look at verse 4. Ooh, this is it. Look at, look at verse 14. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 14. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders, the ministers of the church. And come on, hold, hold on. So the prayers of the elders doesn't come before the prayer of the sick person. Come on now, you have to stay with the roadmap. The elders, the ministers, they have a right to pray over you after you pray.
So if you're not willing to pray, their prayer won't work or it won't last. Because you don't have agreement. And the sealer of your healing is agreement. This is good teaching. Don't make you shout, but you'll walk away knowing something. You'll know how to fight the devil when he show up at your door. And he shows up at everybody's door. You can huff and puff all you want to, but you can't come in because the word of the Lord is against you. Ooh, God. I done preached myself happy. And let them pray over him, anointing him or her with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Somebody's going to get healed here tonight. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any kind of sin, he will be forgiven. And then I know some of you are going to say, it says, then confess your fault uh, uh, to one another and pray for, confess your fault. Confess your, confess your shortcomings. We all have them. We all have them. I've said it three or four times because anybody don't respond, I know what their shortcoming is. We all have them. Yeah. Yeah, I got everybody then. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Verse 14 again. Notice. The afflicted are to pray. Verse 14. The first thing, the first thing, say first thing. The elders, the ministers, let them pray over them. Let them pray. You get that, pastors? Then the second thing is what? Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. So what do we do? We anoint people before we pray. It says, pray over them, the elders. Lay hands on them. Pray for them. Then after you pray for them, anoint them. This is not the place. But if you study the oil out, it's not oil that you get it at the, uh, your, your, the choppers. I can't say the name. Or V's. Don't get high. You understand what I'm saying? No, this oil is supposed to have a scent to it. And so tonight, I'm going to anoint you with frankincense and myrrh. Because we're going to stay with the pattern. And if we stay, can, can I come off this platform? If we stay with the pattern, it doesn't have anything to do with your emotions. It don't have anything to do with me or the minister per se. Why? Because we're not the healer. But if we do what the, the guide told us, if we do what the pattern tells us to do, then God will do what he said he'll do. You got it? So most places you go, they anoint you. I've been guilty of it. And then we wonder why people can't keep it. 
You got to do it according to the pattern. They got to pray. The elders got to pray. And then they got to anoint them. Ooh, Jesus. The anointing oil is a sign that they've been touched by Jesus. And it makes no difference if you have AIDS, COVID-19, diabetes, heart condition, or any other kind of ailment. All of it has to bow its knee to the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So sickness and disease is an oppression. It messes with your quality of life. And just because you have uh, several numbers uh, numerically associated with your life, are you listening to me? That don't mean that you have to wither up and die. How old are you now? You're just 92. Abraham, all them other guys, they live to be 130 years old. Quit listening to the news talking about you can only live 70 or 80 years. If you're 80 years old, according to the Bible, you're young. How old are you, mother? You what? You're 89? She'll be, she'll be what now? She'll be 90 in May, so she qualifies for a baby like Sarah. Now, I know we're going to have church if Dr. Bessie Hampton come walking up in here in about four or five months. First, we got to get a husband. But do you see how the world, how the world, just subliminally, how the world has shaped your mind? Because you can't even see yourself going to Hawaii and walking on the beach at 80 or 90 years old because somebody told you you're too old. And because the world has told you you're too old, you start shutting your life down. You stop dreaming. You stop hoping because you think your time has passed. Is there anything too hard for God? I'm trying to reprogram your mind from all the mess you've heard and reprogram it with the word of God. 80 years old is not old. We're the only country on the face of the planet that mistreats our seniors. We've misplaced them so much, we've disrespected them. That's why we get in so much trouble, because we are walking by wisdom every day. 
but we don't take time to hear them talk. Mom, Mom Clayton, stand up. If you're not married, you've got to be a foolish single woman if you've never spent some time with her. She can tell you how to catch a man. Come on, stand up, cockfish. No, no, it's not funny. The reason it's not funny, because if she would have listened to the world system, the world would have said to both of them, you're too old. And if y'all do get married, what are you going to do? Same thing we did when we was 18. Thank you so much. Same thing married folks do. So you done canceled yourself out. Because you're 60 years old. Like God can't do it. Because you're 60. I'm talking to somebody who's tuned in all around the world. Like you canceling yourself out because you're 72 years old. As though that's a number that's too difficult for God to deal with. Well, it just don't look like it's going to happen now. I'll just, I'll just give my... You know, my time to the salvation. Go down and see what I can do. Let me go and hang out with the, with the old folk. Let me go where the old folk are. No, you better go where the young folk are. To keep you moving. You have to keep moving. If you stop moving, you'll die. what the doctor say. I'm not dying. I'm not dying till I get finished. There are people when doctors examine them, there's no explanation why they are still alive. Other than they believe God. I'm still kicking because I believe God. The doctor said I should have been gone a long time ago. But what the doctor didn't know is I believe God. Jesus. Jesus Christ, he is a divine. He's a divine physician. And he's never lost a case. Oh, God. Hear this now. God is spirit. And healing starts in your spirit. God is what? His spirit. And healing starts where? You hear me, Minister Jones? It starts. You see, it starts in your spirit. That's why you can't be moved by what you see. Because healing don't start in your body. Healing starts in your spirit. What do you believe in your spirit? Just because you see something on your body, that does not mean healing hasn't started. Healing starts. Come on, talk to me. Healing starts in your spirit. That's why when you spend time in the word of God, the word of God releases healing into your body. 
And eventually, whatever's going on in your body, the spirit of the word of God will trump it. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Healing starts where? Starts in your spirit, not in your body. Just because you don't see something in your body does not mean you haven't been healed. Because if you get the spirit of a man right, the body has to line up. Did you get that, Minister Orphe? Healing does not start in your body. Starts in your spirit. That's why I thank God for a spirit-filled doctor. Because most medical doctors don't believe that we are a triune being. Matter of fact, a lot of doctors just believe your body. And some may believe your body and soul. But we're not body and soul. You're not body. You're not soul. You are an eternal spirit. So if a doctor is examining you and he doesn't understand or she doesn't understand the spirit of man, then they're automatically at a disadvantage on their prognosis. Because if your prognosis is wrong, your diagnosis is going to be wrong. So your prescription is going to be wrong. And some people would be here today if they hadn't taken the wrong prescription. Assigned to them from a doctor who did not understand that they were dealing with a spirit. A spirit that had a soul that was housed in a body. Who Jesus. Is this good teaching? Come on, put your hands together and thank God for the word of God. So tonight, we believe in the laying on of hands. It is one of the doctrines. It is one of the six doctrines, six fundamental principles that Jesus instituted into the church. Can somebody say amen? The laying on of hands. And so tonight, are you clear? Talk to me. Are you clear in your heart? Are you clear in your spirit that it is the will of God for you to be healed? Can I see your hand? You know that it is the will of God for you to be healed. It's God's will. God gets no glory out of you being sick. Are you listening to me? Now, when we talk about healing, we can't get over into foolishness of Minister, Minister Troy Jones. That means you have to do all the natural things that you need to do to be healed and to keep your healing. You need to drink water. So it's no sense in you coming up here and we pray and you pray and we anoint you and then you leave here and go get a bucket of fried chicken. And the next time you go to those uh, cafeterias or uh, those buffets, 
Take a look. Take a look at the people who patronizes those kind of places. Next time you go, don't rush in. Just stand at the door or sit in the car and watch who's going in there. Getting all you can eat. Go in there and eat six pieces of chicken. Two helpings of mashed potatoes and gravy. It's not funny because it's killing people. And it's not the devil. Are you all listening to me? When it got quiet, I must have hit somebody's meal. Arteries all messed up. Eating all that fried food with the lard. Then on top of that, you don't even work out. Eat and go to sleep. Eat and go to sleep. Eat and watch TV. Come to church, go home, and watch TV and eat. Watch a game or two and eat some more. At 10 o'clock, what are we going to eat? Get up at 2 or 3 in the morning, walking around in the kitchen, bumping your toes. Looking for something. And you're killing yourself. I done got old enough now. I just don't care what you think about it now. Younger days, I wouldn't have said this. But now I've come to a place of maturity where I love you enough to tell you the truth. Because I don't have a whole lot of time left to tell you. Drinking soda pop. Killing yourself. Boy, I done hit a nerve. Somebody said, you was all right a moment ago when you was talking about the chicken and everything. And you didn't start messing with my Coca-Cola. My, my aid. Killing yourself. And they would tell you that it's killing you, but it's a billion dollar industry. But it's killing you. Some of you don't know what it's like to drink a good six or seven, eight glasses of water a day. It's been so long. Water flushes out of you. Things that need to be flushed out. But I just don't like water. Well, learn to like it so you can live. I owe it. We owe it to our children. I owe it to you as your pastor. To take care of myself. So that you don't have to carry me to the pulpit and carry me out. Because I refuse to do the word of God. Eating and you're not hungry. Killing yourself. If you get healed of cancer and you keep eating cancer. Come on now. Let's not play. We're, play we're, we're, we're playing games with our lives. 
You know something's wrong with that chicken. That chicken leg looked like a turkey. And you don't care because you said, ooh, look at mine. Look at my big old drumstick. But a chicken don't grow that big in two weeks. But you eat it. And what's in the chicken gets in you. You don't drink water to flush it out. So over a period of time, it kills you. And before it kills you, it takes all your money. It ain't cute being overweight. Now, I know one person's in my corner shouting. She's not moving. That's Dr. Stanley. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He's telling them the truth. It's not cute. Somebody's going to pay you and your children. Then you're going to get mad at your children because of you abusing yourself. And now you're infringing on their lives. And if they minister to you to the degree you need ministry, they'll mess up their family. Trying to take care of you because you wouldn't listen. And so today, we're at a crossroad. And I believe everybody in this room can be healed. But what good is healing if you're going to go right on back to the abuse of your body? I said the other day that I was a little dizzy. I know why I was dizzy. I know what I did. Now I'm either going to be a fool or exercise self-control. And nothing, nothing is going to control me like that but God. Nothing, nothing can dominate me like that. But God. No cigarette can dominate me like that. No drug can dominate me like that. No liquid can dominate me like that. Nobody can control me like that but God. There's nothing I can't resist that means me no good. In the name of the Lord, I'm not that weak. I don't need another piece of the pie. I've had one and a half. And I didn't need that. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. 
or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.